Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 213, Writing a Dual Timeline, an interview with Amanda Cox, coming to you on Thursday, October 1st, 2020. So last week, I told you that I was going to be doing some free webinars about how to finish your book, giving you some tips and tricks that I've learned along the way, and explaining a little bit about the group coaching program that I've been doing called Finish Your Book. I had some tech problems, so the two times that I had thought that I was going to be able to do it, I didn't make it. Sorry about that, but I think I've got things fixed and figured out and everything. So at the time that you're listening to this, if it is still October 1st, I will be hosting a free webinar called Finish Your Book at noon Pacific, which is 3 p.m. Eastern. 8 p.m. in London, 9 p.m. here in Sweden. And that is Thursday, October 1st, the day this episode comes out. And you can go get more information and sign up for it for free at rightnowworkshop.com forward slash webinar. And then I'll also have um, three more times next week. I'm not going to tell you the times right here on the webinar just in case I have any more problems, but I will have all the information at rightnowworkshop.com forward slash webinar. So I hope to see you there and give you some tips and ideas on how you can make sure that you are starting and finishing your book, maybe even before the end of the year. Wouldn't that be exciting? Ah, yes. The writing life is a very, very good life. I love it. It does have its challenges and sometimes starting and sometimes finishing are two of those challenges. Listen, I had no idea when I was interviewing a couple of different people all over the course of a week that more than one person that I was interviewing did dual timelines. So today's episode is with Amanda Cox and her story is so good. I just cried all the way through it. I loved it so much. And we have a great conversation talking about writing. And as it turns out, if this is a particular interest of yours, I wanted to let you know, definitely tune in next week as well, because when I interviewed Rachel Hauk, she also has some dual timeline books that I just didn't even realize because they're not the books that I've read. So if this is a particular interest of yours, definitely listen to this episode and then also tune in next week and get a little bit more information and a different perspective. In the meantime, here is the wonderful debut author, Amanda Cox. I hope you enjoy the show and go get some writing done. Today's guest is Amanda Cox. Amanda is a blogger and a curriculum developer for a national nonprofit youth leadership organization, but her first love is communicating through story. She holds a bachelor's degree in Bible and theology and a master's degree in professional counseling. Her studies and her interactions with hurting families over a decade have allowed her to create multidimensional characters that connect emotionally with readers. Amanda lives in Chattanooga, Tennessee with her husband and their three children. Welcome, Amanda. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's so exciting. A debut author. We get to talk about like the first book. <laughs> oh, yes. And it's definitely been an adventure. So <laughs> no doubt. Okay. So um, it's called The Edge of Tomorrow and it just came out, right? The Edge of Belonging. The Edge of Belonging. You know, even as I typed that, I was like, why does that seem like that is not right? <laughs> And this is me being me on my podcast. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> the edge of belonging. I kept thinking, oh, I know. 
Edge of Tomorrow is the Tom Cruise movie that I love because Tom Cruise dies like 47 times. I was like, that sounds familiar though. <laughs> right? Even you were like, no, I'm pretty sure that's not my book name, but. <laughs> I like it. It sounds great. <laughs> the Edge of Belonging, right, which I did read and emailed you and saying, you're killing my productivity this week because I was reading when I should have been doing other things because it was so good. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Ah, yes, I did very much. Listeners, you have to go check it out. At least go look at it because it's it's just, I cried and it was just so heartwarming. Okay, so tell us a little bit about you. How did you get started writing? Like, just kind of give us the nickel tour. <laughs> okay, so I have always, since I was a little girl, I was always a devourer of stories. Like, I love stories. My parents read to me. And so I decided when I was around seven that I was going to write and I was going to illustrate a book. And um, so I did. And my very supportive parents tried to help me find a publisher for this book. And so I did the whole deal. They brought it to, they actually brought this the day that I turned in my final copy of The Edge of Belonging. They brought me where they had saved the story and where I typed it out and wrote out letters and all kinds of things. So it was really fun. They didn't know oh. that that was the day that I was sending out my book, but really? they just happened to bring it by the same day. So it was really fun for me. And I got to read that story to my kids. Oh. Um, but, uh, you know, I was not successful in publishing that book, but they sent me a very nice rejection letter. And um, from that point, I don't know that I, I mean, I learned about creative writing and things like that, but I really became more of a reader than a writer. Um, so I continued reading a lot and I don't really, I liked to write. I journaled all my emotions and feelings a lot because I'm a, like, that's how I really process is through writing. Um, I write prayers. I write um, thoughts, emotions, things going on in life that I don't really know what to do with. So that was kind of growing up, that was my writing. Um, and that's more of what I did. And I always kind of had this uh, desire to write a novel because I loved reading novels, but I didn't, I didn't really know where to start or what, you know, where to go with it. <clears throat> or if that was really something that I was meant to be spending my time doing. Um, and then when I had just given birth to my first child, it was, um, you know, a little while later, but it was late at night. Um, I was very much into the whole mom taking care of kids. I had been a counselor, but I wasn't doing that anymore. I was home. And so it was kind of the sense of, wow, motherhood was really, really fulfilling. There was an element of like, what makes me, me that I'm like, I feel like is missing. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I had this idea for a story and I'm like, I'm just going to see if I can write a story a little bit each night. I would sit down. It was kind of my time to wind down from the day a little bit and just yeah, be creative because I, that part of my brain just wasn't really getting exercise as much as I would like it to. And so over several years, I wrote this first story. And um, when it was done, I was like, well, I wrote it. Now I'll see what happens. I'll see if, you know, it's something that's meant for other people or if it was just an activity for me to do. Yeah. And, um, I, so I learned about getting an agent and I learned about going to conferences and pitching to agents and editors and things like that. So that to me, I always looked at it as just like a learning, like it was just like, a, I'm exploring, I'm learning, I'm seeing what this is like. Um, and a lot of the feedback on my writing was really positive, but the, it was also, we don't quite know 
where the story fits because the first story that I wrote, I didn't really know about genre and things like that. I didn't <laughs> yeah. know that there's like genre rules that you're supposed to follow. Yeah. So I had like all kinds of, and so I kind of knew that it probably wasn't going to go anywhere. But again, like I said, just trying to figure what the publishing world, what is that mysterious publishing world? Like, what is it like? So I'm going to see. And then, um, so I pitched it for a little while and then I decided that, you know, it's, I want to write something new. Like I've succeeded in completing a book and I want to write something new. And so that's how the edge of belonging kind of started. I'm sorry. That's my cat in the background, Caruso. And he's really <laughs> mad at me because he wants to go outside and I'm not letting him outside. So. He, he does sound like he's got a very big voice that needs to be heard. <laughs> he does. He sort of has this howling thing going on. So if I ignore him, he paces around and makes that <laughs> loud meowing. So I'm sure he'll probably jump past here in a little while. And you guys get to see a blur of cat go by. That's right. But. <laughs> oh. and, so anyways, I, um, I started the process with The Edge of Belonging, and it took a while and some rejections and a lot of rewrites and the really big rewrites, um, but I really just had a gut feeling like this was supposed to be the first story I would publish. I don't really, like, I'm like, I'm not that I necessarily put a huge amount of stock in that gut feeling, but it yeah. was just kind of like, I just kind of feel like this is going to be the book, but, you know, I went through a couple of years of, like I said, rewrites and pitching it and getting some similar feedback like your writing is good but this book is kind of different we're not really sure at the time that I was trying to pitch it they're like we're not really sure where it was a risk a debut is a big risk you're yeah. taking it they're taking on big risk and then for the story to be diff a little bit different um was another like another risk in the check in the risk category so, <laughs> right um I like I said I tried for a while did some rewrites and then I was getting some more and more positive rejection letters. I joked with a friend. I was like, if my rejections were any nicer, they would be yeses. And she's just laughing <laughs> at me. I was like, that's Gosh, awesome. It's like so complimentary. It's like, but no. And I'm just like, okay. And so it was like, maybe, you know, I still believe in the story, but maybe it's just not the right timing. And yeah. there'll be a day someday where I can pick it up off the shelf and try again with it. And so I really gave up on it. I was going to just shelf it for a while. And I'm like, I'm just going to write something new. I love to write and I've become addicted to writing novels. So, you know, might as well um, focus on something else for a while. And then a Twitter pitch party a few weeks later, after I totally gave up on the book, there was a Twitter pitch party. And if you don't know how uh, some of you may have like participated in those, but you do like a tweet that's kind of a quick pitch of your book on a certain day. And then um, agents and editors are going through and they're looking to see if what you pitched is something they might be interested in. And so I did this with Faith Pitch, and that was back in 20, 20 I don't know. There goes my cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, so I participated. It was just kind of a whim. It was like, you know, it's kind of fun to see if I can boil down, like, the meat of my story into, like, a tweet. And so I was like, I'll do it just for fun. I wasn't expecting anything. But that was the connection that kind of that um, started with my publisher at Revell. So. Wow. So it was actually one of the agents who was reading it. What, uh, sorry, one of the editors, not an agent. Yeah, it was an, oh. yeah, my first connection, I didn't have an agent. I was unagented at the time. And so the connection came through an editor. Wow. Nice. Okay. Well, you have to tell us about, you know, the call story. So, um, so this is only your second book that you've mm -hmm. written, finished, let alone, um, 
it's the second one that you, you finished, but this is the second one you've even ever started. Yeah. In some wow. ways, I say that it feels like my third because I, it was originally, it's a dual timeline and it was originally a single timeline when I first, when I first completed it. Right. I had to take it apart and write a new time, like the new timeline. So I'm like, it's my second book, but it feels like my third book. No doubt. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Okay. So the editor at Ravel read your pitch, wanted to hear more. And then just give us the short version of how, how you came to have a published book. Okay. And so all, like I said, I've been getting a lot of rejection. So each step along the way, like I would have my phone and it would have like my little notification banner would go across the top and it'd be like a little thing. And I would do like a talk with myself. I'd be like, this is another rejection. It's okay. There's no, <laughs> there's, it's no big deal. This doesn't define you as a writer. That's right. <laughs> This doesn't define the worth of your work. It's just another step, learning step in the process. And then I would click on it and be like, okay, I want to read a little more. And then, okay, so, you know, send me the full. And it's like, okay, because, you know, with different publishing houses, there's different um, steps and committees that the book goes through. So each time I was just like, yeah, like I said, I give myself the little pep talk. Yeah. And then um, it, I, the day that it, I knew it was the final meeting that made the final decision I woke up, I'm like, I'm going to be a productive person this day. I'm going, I knew what time the meeting was and everything. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to, you know, just go through life and I'm going to do the things, do the mom things. And, um, but then as the day more got closer, I was just like sitting there. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm useless at this point. I yeah. turn on the Great British Baking Show and I'm like watching the baking show, okay? And I know like I don't know if I'm going to find out today or if it's going to be another day and I'm like again giving myself the little self pep talk. Yeah. Then the banner goes across my phone and I can tell from the banner that it's positive, but I couldn't turn off the baking show to look at the email because I was just like I think I was in shock. Yeah. And it was kind of like this I think my writing, like my writing life just changed. Like, and I couldn't like, uh, I couldn't look at it for a few minutes. Like I had to like process it a little. I'm just going to wait until a commercial break. Wait, there isn't commercials on Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's not that I was like, so into the show, I couldn't turn it off, but I was just like, I was a little frozen for a couple yeah. minutes, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've gotten notifications on my phone before where I'm like, okay, all right just calm down before you read it. Just calm down. Everything is going to be like, it doesn't matter. It's good or bad. It'll be fine. (laughs) It's just an email. There's just one email. (laughs) That's right. Oh my gosh. Okay. So then your book came out. Yay. Yeah. And um, honestly, it was, it was so good. I didn't know what to expect. I, I saw the blurb for it and I was like, this looks really unusual. Like I've never read anything like it. So I'm going to ask her to be on the show. (laughs) And then when I was reading it, I was like, dang, how did she do this? It was so amazing. Okay. So, um, I have a thousand questions for you, but, um, but the dual timeline thing, that's really interesting. I I have seen it before. I've read things like this before, but, um, even though like in a way, I know the ending because once you've read mm-hmm. a little bit of both timelines, you're like, oh, okay. Like I think I started figuring out who everybody was by chapter mm-hmm. two or something like right. that. Yeah. But still, I could not stop reading because I'm like, oh, okay, but but what happened after that? But then, okay, but what happened after that? So tell us about, but this is particularly interesting to me now that you had actually written it as one timeline. So here, I just want you to tell us all about how you wrote it the one way and then how it came to be this other way. Okay. 
Okay. (laughs) um, It's like I said, I wrote the one timeline and I kept getting, you know, I was getting good feedback on it, but it was just like, maybe something's a little missing. This is a little too different because my first timeline that I wrote, sorry, my cat is getting louder and louder. Hi, Caruso. (laughs) Hi to everyone. (laughs) My writing sidekick, he sits beside me and watches me while I write. And um, he's my little critic who sits there and looks at me. (laughs) Anyways. um, And so I wasn't quite, again, I was at this point where I was kind of stuck with it. I wasn't really sure. It didn't quite fit into, I have a homeless man as a character. So I have a book that has a lot of women's fiction themes in it. And then I have a, a homeless man who is a point of view character, which kind of throws a wrench in the, like, how you categorize the book a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And so I was brainstorming with um, an, couple, another couple writers and we, they're like, what if you um, made it her, t- like her story and then how the past story worked together. And so I had a full novel that was completed. And so what I had to go through that story and I had to find like what really, really matters in the story, like what's the meat of it? Because I basically had to chop at it in half. Um, Mm, Right. Because for me, like dual timelines can all be different. But for me, um, it's really important to have like two full stories um, so that this character over in this timeline has a full character arc and then this character over here. And then there might be some crossover in between the two that you get to see the completion of some of the character arcs. Um, So I kind of had to cut that story in half and rework it. And it was, it was challenging work because I wrote the past timeline was the, you know, the story that I originally started with. And I'm going so to interrupt I, you for one second. I mm-hmm. just realized we haven't told anybody like at all what this is about. So without <laughs> giving anything away, uh, just tell us like it's the 1990s and it's present day. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so in the 1990 timeline, um, there is a man named Harvey who lives this obsessively independent lifestyle. Like he's very, he's a hermit in every sense of the word, and he's homeless, and one day he stumbles upon this abandoned baby, um, and there's something about this baby that he just, he struggles his whole life with connection, and when he finds this baby, he feels a sense of, like, human connection for the first time, and he kind of sees himself in this child in a lot of ways, and so he has this really deep desire to protect her, but he's homeless, and he doesn't have resources and things like that, so she really throws a wrench in his perfect, in his opinion, what he thinks is his perfect, wonderful life that he has. Um, he's kind of settled himself into this certain life. And so in the past timeline, you get to see that story unfold. And then in the present day, you see Ivy um, as an adult, and she knows that she was adopted, uh, but they, she also knows that there are some things that she doesn't know. And she's kind of lost in life a little bit. She's kind of gotten uh, turned around with some things. Um, but she's, when her grandmother passes away, she finds out that grandma might've been the one that has the key to all this information. And so she returns back home. And so you get to see, um, both of those stories and how they kind of play together. So, Okay. So the first version was more from the 1990s, Harvey Mm -hmm. and the baby. Okay. And so I, it really was just sort of a present at that time. It was just that was present day, but obviously I had to shift some things around to have Ivy as an adult. 
um, I wasn't really ready to predict what 20 years in the future would look like. Right, yeah. <laughs> I don't really know. Especially <laughs> these days, who knows? Yeah. like, who knows? That's so true. <laughs> and so it was tough because in a way I had already written Ivy's Happily Ever After, if you will. Yeah. And so, but like to have, for her to have a story, she has to be a character with flaws and hurts and pains and things like that. And so it's like, oh, wow. Like, how do I, you know, how do I do that? What do I do with her? And so in some ways it was kind of hard to do that. Cause it's like, no, I already had a picture in my mind of like, it's like, I, and then the, it's like we rode off into the sunset and the end and this is <laughs> right. Right. You don't have to worry about the fight that happens later. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, I was just having the same problem with one of my books the other day. I was like, oh, I just realized I'm only on like chapter three or something. So you're still kind of figuring out what your story is mm -hmm. about. But I had thought about it enough uh, because it's book two of a series that I already knew this character and I knew he was a great guy, but I couldn't figure out like, why is this, there's something not working. And then I realized in chapter three, I have him be the great guy that he can't be until the end. I'm like, right. oh, crap. <laughs> it's like, I've got to do something with you to, you've got to have some development. That's right. Poor <laughs> Ivy, I'm going to have to make her miserable. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh man, what, you know, what do, I, what do I have to put into your life? It's like, oh, sometimes like, it's like, oh, I hate to do that. <laughs> Sorry, Ivy. I wasn't going to do this, but. <laughs> but you can't have a perfect life. So <laughs> that's right. Now, okay, so here's the other thing I found really interesting is that your uh I'm not sure current past career both um I, I'm not really uh sure exactly what your uh, I wish I could just hit the rewrite button to start over again. My <laughs> question um so you work as a counselor and I don't know if any of the other things that you've been doing since then probably has given you like a lot more depth of insight into people than just the average everyday person who, you know, works at a bank or a convenience store or whatever. Um, I don't know. Convenience store, maybe though. <laughs> yeah, right? You can counter all kinds of people all day long. Yeah. <laughs> so do you think that um, you have got like a little bit of an advantage you write with such depth of emotion without making me feel at all like there's no purple prose, there's no melodrama, and yet, oh, seriously, like my eyes hurt at one point because I was just crying because, I mean, not that things were so bad or sad, it's just that um, like I was so emotionally invested in a way that was way deeper than my usual amount, which I like to be emotionally invested, but like, seriously, I was way emotionally invested. <laughs> so do you think that part of that comes from your experience of just being able to know people on a deeper level? Or do you think it's just always been there? Maybe because you always journaled all of your emotions <laughs> as a kid? What do you think? I mean, I think it's a little bit of both because like I said, I, I connect emotionally when I'm writing. Um, that's just, I don't know, the emotional part of me just comes alive when I've got like a pen in my hand. Like even it, to the point that if I'm writing a really emotional scene, I will write it out longhand instead of type it. Wow. Because it connects just differently for me. Yeah. Um, so I think part of it comes from that's how I process emotion is pen on paper. Um, and then, you know, as a counselor, it was always really important to me to look like, how did we get, you're telling me this is your issue. How did we get here? Right. Um, and to really be present with people and sit with people in those emotions and not try to necessarily rush and fix it or change it, but to like really take in and listen to who they are and where they are and where they come from and things like that. 
Okay. I have to stop you there, Amanda, and say we need to say that one more time in the context of being a writer, because that's awesome. That's awesome advice. Like for any of us, no matter how many first book or 20th book, can you say that again, but now say it like you're the author writing the story, but you uh, need to take time. Yeah, go ahead. Say it again for us. Cause that I'm going to like write, write some notes to myself and take more time with these people. Right. So in, in the context of writing my characters, it's like I have to take the time with the characters and I don't necessarily have a whole list of what their favorite color is and what their favorite car is, but taking the time to say like, who are you when we meet you? Um, and how did you get to that point? That whole backstory might be in the story or it might not be in the story, but let's see, being present with your characters so that you really know who this person is and why they are the way that they are when you meet them. And then when you know that, it really helps to know what it will take for them to change into the person. Because sometimes we want know what the change is that we want to see, but since like, what does it realistically take for a person to actually make a shift to make a change? What motivations, yeah. like what motivates them? What do they, what is the thing that they don't have that they need? Yeah. The difference between um, like in a romance novel, a guy being the, the angry alpha male character. And then at the end, suddenly being awesome. And you're like, but how did you become awesome? <laughs> yeah. Like what, what motivated this change? What yeah. led to the, like what events did it take for you to change? Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. So, but I'm still thinking back about, um, you know, you sitting with, uh, with people and asking them questions. Could you tell us like some of the questions you would ask somebody, somebody, when you're trying to get to know them and get to know their problem, because it sounded like great questions that we could ask our characters. Um, I'm trying to. I'm trying okay. To so Harvey's got this, Harvey's got this problem. He's, he's been a <laughs> emotionally, uh, you know, poor battered thing um, because he's lived in foster care ever since his parents died when he was a little kid. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, but you had to figure out who he is as a man. Mm-hmm. So um, it might be something about, you know, sometimes you start pretty simply as far as like, so tell me, tell me about your day. And he would tell me about how he goes and he finds um, things that are lost along the side of the road and things that are discarded and things that other people have thrown out. And I might say, well, that sounds really interesting. You talk a lot about things that are discarded and things that are thrown out and you, you know, listening to the tone of voice, like, wow, you, you know, you sound really proud when you talk about the things that you've repurposed and that you reuse that and you see things that other people don't see. Um, so it might be along the lines of questioning and it's just like with people or the characters, it's like, here's the things that you do. And like, but then you get to see what they value. And then it's like, okay, so you value finding lost things and by Seeing that you value lost things, it's like, why, where does that value come from? Um, and I might not outright ask the question, where does that value come from? But by asking other questions of like, you know, that sounds really important to you. Has there, you know, has there ever been a time where you felt like something was discarded? Has there ever found, been a time where you felt like maybe there was a use down for you when there wasn't one before? Harvey's case for quite a while, he'd say no, but yeah. <laughs> This is cool. I like this. <laughs> I, I need to go like find some book of questions that counselors ask patients and be like, oh, I'm going to use those questions for my <laughs> character development. <laughs> and then you get in your head a whole counseling session where you're the counselor and the client at the same time. <laughs> hey, that could be helpful. <laughs>
There's some other things now uh, in the book that I'm like, oh, I want to ask you, like, how did you do this or this? But it's going to give things away. So I'm just going to have to wait and not do it while we're, while we're recording. Okay. So um, this is really, really interesting. So you, you wrote a complete book and then was it the editor who suggested to you that uh, maybe doing a dual timeline would be something that, or had you already done that? when she said, I'm interested, how did that yeah, work? I had already done that. And so um, I had been at a conference, the brainstorm session happened and I'm like, I didn't know if it would work. So I was like, it was sort of an experiment. It's like, I didn't really have any new story ideas that I wanted to write at the moment. So I was like, I'll try ah. it and see what happens. And so it was a nine month experiment. And then uh, I started submitting it again. And then the rejections were I noticed a change in the rejections. They become much more, became much more personal. They became much more positive in listing the positives. This is, it was almost like they're like, we want to say yes, but we still have reservations because like I said, debut authors are, you know, they are, they're, it's a different type of risk that they're taking on. That's my cat. <laughs> He's a big guy. Yeah. He's <laughs> on my couch now. Um, <laughs> He's like, she's busy. She can't yell at me. <laughs> yeah, she's not going to say anything to me right now. <laughs> so yeah, that, it, was, it was already a dual timeline once it got in the hands of my, uh, my editor. Okay. And so do you have any thoughts in your mind as to somebody's listening who either is still working on getting their first book sold or is just in a little bit of a rut? You know, it's been a weird year, 2020, uh, the year of just it being weird. Um, yeah. So maybe somebody's sitting there going, okay, I've been working on this book. It's not working. Or my critique partners are like, yeah, it's good. It's not great. Um, and uh, what are some of your thoughts on how, I mean, there's so many things that you could have done to change the book, but wow, yeah. who, who comes up with dual timeline? I mean, <laughs> granted you had some good reasons because the past and the, and the, the past made such a big difference on the present, but, um, any thoughts, anything to, um, suggest to other people who are struggling with, well, my book's not selling. I'm not sure what to do. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily recommend if you're sitting there struggling and feeling stuck, Hey, let's go, um, write a dual timeline. <laughs> let's go totally redo the book. <laughs> you, you can, you can, but that was not the most fun nine months of my life. It, um, and I didn't like, it was tough too, because I was like, I don't know, like if what I'm doing and spending this time on is really what the story, right. what the story needs or not. It was, like I said, it was experimental completely. Yeah. Um, but when you're feeling stuck and you've got that feedback from, um, critique partners, um, if you can get specific feedback that can always be helpful like as far as what is like what is missing is it connection to the characters or likability of the characters um, for me in my case my feedback wasn't that there was a problem with the writing itself um, or the connection to the characters were there but they did it was that the story didn't quite um, fit some of the genre boxes and so it was kind of like okay what can I bring who can I bring into the story that fits more um, in those genre boxes so that when readers pick up a book, they have some idea of what to expect because readers do want to, they don't want to necessarily know everything, but they, if you pick up a romance novel, there are certain things you expect from the book. If you right. pick up women's fiction, there's certain things that you expect from the book because you're, you're trying to find a book that you want to read. Um, 
So for me with the dual timeline, that's part of the motivation was it, that that was, there was something missing in that aspect. So that's what sort of led to, um, that. Nice. And were you, by the time you got to the end, like before the, the editor, you know, said she wanted to see it and before you got to the, oh my gosh, they're publishing my book. What did you think of the book after you finished it? The well, second time. <laughs> well, you know, I'm sure most of you writers can identify that it kind of depends on the day. Yes. <laughs> some, days, some days I was like, I think this works. Like, I think I think I think I've really got this book to another level. And then I might wake up a few days later. And it's like, I don't know. It still has a long way to go. Yeah. And the truth is there were some really great things that happened in the editorial process. And I was very thankful for my editor and, um, she was really, really great with letting my voice be my voice, nice. um, my story be my story, and being able to say, but here's some areas we can work on and strengthen. And so that was, I was really, really thankful for that process. Um, so even after the contract was signed, the story still did some more growing. Um, and so I think finally by the end, when it was printed, most days I still like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have lost enough sleep that I would say uh, you did an awesome job. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was a good book. Now at the end of your book, you have the first chapter of another book or part of a chapter. I don't know if it's the whole chapter. And I couldn't tell, but it looked like maybe it was going to be dual timeline too. Yes. So I found that um, after my experiment with doing dual timelines, I found that I really like doing it. Sometimes not so much. Sometimes I'm like, why did I do this to myself again? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like these two stories with two, like you got to make the stories have the climax at the right point, And then, then you've got this other one and then they've got to kind of coincide. I'm like, I'm not sure why I do this, but yeah. um, <laughs> I found that I really liked I like writing stories that way. I think it's because I, I like the puzzle pieces. I like to fit the pieces together. Well, so. that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. So now I'm wondering puzzle pieces, huh? Are you going to maybe write a mystery sometime too? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I have that, um, that talent in me, but I do enjoy reading mysteries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. This is really cool. I'm, um, I'm just, I really liked your book so much. It's actually making it difficult for me to think of questions. <laughs> okay. So, um, I already asked you that question and I already asked you that question. Okay. So what are some of the things that during this whole experience, like anywhere in the experience that you're like, oh, this is, this is good for me to know now. Like it would be great if someone could have told me then, oh, I could tell people on the podcast if you're in this spot or if you're new or if you're, yeah, um, some of the things that you learned during the process. Um, I think one of the biggest things through the whole process of just beginning to write stories and figuring out about writing stories to now, um, I think one of like the best uh, things that I learned along the way is to know why you write. Um, and to know your why. And because sometimes there's rejection or there's the not so great review once you're already published. And if you don't know the why behind why you write, you can get a little lost or a little stuck along the way. Yeah. Um, there was one point that I was trying to write like other people because I kept getting the feedback or write a story like so-and-so um, because I kept getting the feedback that your writing is good, but we don't know where to put your books. And so at that point I was feeling really stuck and I was just like, 
I don't know if there's a place for what I write, so I'm going to see if I can write a different style book. And they weren't good. Um, they were okay, but it's like you, a lot of times you can know, like, I'm writing at my best or I'm not writing at my best. Yeah. And it was just like, this is not me. And so along the journey is like learning and like learn, knowing who you are and knowing your voice and knowing what you write. And maybe there's not a place for it right now, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to continue to stay that way. Yeah. Um, I can look at other books that have come out, come out before mine. And so I, and I can kind of see it's like that kind of helped pave the way for there being a shelf space for my book. Right, right. So it was like, but I didn't need to change who I was. I needed to write the story. I needed, of course, to learn and grow in my craft, but not changing who I was and not to change elements of your story that you really are. Like, this is my story. Yeah. Um, I was like, I can't change Harvey as a point of view character. That was kind of like my not one of my non-negotiables when I was writing the book because I knew he was throwing a wrench in it fitting into a genre category. Yeah. But I was like, no, this story is, it's his story. And I would rather not publish this book if he can't be this character. You know, and just speaking as a reader who um, really, you know, I mean, when I picked up your book, I didn't know anything except for the back cover copy. And as I'm reading... <laughs> And thinking you really need to be doing other things. Um, every time I was in Harvey's point of view, I'm like, okay, not until I'm done with Harvey's point of view. <laughs> so like not to diss on anyone else in the book, because I loved everybody. Um, in fact, uh, the, mm, how do I say this without saying, the guy who is the worst, no. Oh. Okay, there's two really bad guys. The guy who's in it the most, who's very bad. Um, yeah. he was he was written well enough that I was like, dang, do you know someone like this? Because I know some people like this and you wrote them really well. <laughs> like he was he was really scary. <laughs> uh, you know, for what it is, it's so hard not to give away <laughs> this is the spoilers. But um no, the the parts with Harvey, I was just so into like you, you wrote him like he was a broken man, but also like he had his own code also. Like it was a, it was a very small little code. The code was yeah. don't throw things away because people throw people away. And yeah. Yeah. And anyway, I'm just in love with this book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was going to ask you a question, but I just got lost. Oh yeah. Breaking. So so the genre says women's fiction has women viewpoint characters, mm -hmm. except for that you had Harvey. And I'm yeah. thinking, wow, thank goodness that you chose not to get rid of him because the book would have been interesting. But honestly, and I hope that you take this with, you know how much I love your book, but if it hadn't been for Harvey, it would have been just another great women's fiction book. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, I have no idea how memorable it would be to people. I mean, I'm just saying I literally don't know. Um, yeah. But I'm not going to forget the book ever because adding Harvey into the mix and then how he interacted with the, the main women characters, there's at least three that I can think of. Is that what you're thinking? Three? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but then there's these other characters where you just learn this teeny tiny bit about them and you're like, oh, I love just knowing that teeny tiny bit about that character. And then like all of a sudden it sort of fills my mind with like the rest of the town sort of becomes populated in a way that I hadn't yeah. expected. And oh. All right. This is a terrible interview. 
I'm just like, your book is wonderful. Tell me how to write one like it. Oh, wait, I don't write like this. <laughs> but okay, so getting back to writing for one second, I honestly, I'm a huge fan of the whole knowing your why in all seriousness. Um, let's move this around to some other things that just have to do with sitting down and writing. You love writing, which is awesome. And I think that um, probably most people who have done enough work to get published, either traditionally or self-published, um, love it. But it has been a rough year. It's been a weird year. And for some people, yeah. like a really pretty terrible year. And other people, it's just been, I haven't liked this year at all. It hasn't been terribly terrible, but I, I haven't enjoyed it at all. Um, and I genuinely believe that knowing your why will help you to make choices that help you to continue to stay true to who you are as your own your own version of a human being, um, whether you are like, I, I um, you can't really see it, but I'm pointing to it behind me. Um, I decided that I was going to move forward with a series that has no place in a traditional bookstore, but it was, it's the series that I really, really wanted to write. And it's, it's a mix of too many genres that don't go together. Christian superhero, romantic comedy, romantic adventure. Like it, it was too much. But I was like, <laughs> Sounds like my kind of book. That's <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk after. <laughs> um, but you know, sometimes you just have to go, okay, I know who I am. I know why I'm writing in general. And I know why I'm writing this story. And this is the story I'm going to write. And if nobody buys it, then I will write another story that somebody else will buy. But this one, I'm really happy that I wrote this story because I like this story. Mm -hmm. And how has that helped you to, I don't know if you have had any times when you've been like, the year is tough or I have kids and a dog and a cat all at home or <laughs> like, but tell us a little bit about um, maybe some, some things that you have been able to do this year that helps you to keep going. Um, that might be helpful to somebody else who's, you know, I got a lot of friends who are stuck in a rut right now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely tough. I know, especially for me, if I'm feeling very fatigued or if there's a lot going on or a lot of things bothering me, it's really hard to access that creative part of yourself. At least for me, it's like, it sort of dries up sometimes and you're just like, I don't know what are yeah. words. I, <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing right now. Um, for me, it really helps to have a schedule. I get up every morning at six because nobody at my house is awake yet. And so <laughs> I get up and I write for a couple hours. And sometimes it's just, sometimes it's just making yourself sit down and do it. Uh, it's hard on those days when I'm writing and I'm like, this is terrible. I know this is terrible, but I have to get the words down on the page because if they're not there, I can't fix them. I don't yeah. have anything to work with. Um, I, for me, I hate rough drafts. They are my very least favorite part of the writing process. Um, I, because Someone I like out there is saying, there. thank goodness, it's not just me. <laughs> I like it when I have it down and I get to play with what is on the page as opposed to putting it down. It's all in my head. and I don't have the patience to type it out sometimes. Um, yeah. But setting that schedule and making myself write, even though I know it's bad, um, getting, just not being afraid of the highlight and delete button. Um, because I used to feel like when I first started writing, I felt like everything I wrote down had to be good and it had to be ready to go and perfect and pretty and all those things. But then it's learning that it's okay to write and then highlight and delete 
half of it. Yeah. Um, because you're learning about your, sometimes for me, you know, it's like this exploratory, like I'm learning about these characters. I'm learning, like, as I'm doing all these things that feel like a waste of time, I'm learning about the story. I'm learning about the characters. Um, yeah. It's all profitable in some way or another, even if it doesn't feel like it at the moment. Right. Right. And then how you, you look like the kind of person who also knows how to give grace and give grace to yourself. Uh, what do you do on a day where you're like, it's six o'clock, either I can't get out of bed or I'm in front of the computer, but nothing's happening. Or like, at what point do you say, okay, you know what? We are going to um, love on you. You know, Amanda, Amanda <laughs> love on Amanda and, and help, the, help the juices to get flowing again. Do you have anything that you do in that way? Um, you know, I might make myself a cup of coffee and go for a walk. Like sometimes you do, you need to get up and you need to walk around. For me, if I can get some time, it's not easy with three kids and a cat and a dog and life responsibilities, but some time for my mind to wander um, to where I'm not trying to do something. Yeah. Um, because it can get in the whole thing where you're trying to make your story happen and you're trying, like you're trying too hard. Yeah. Um, so, because it's like, oh, I've got to do this. I've, you I don't know about the rest of you, but sometimes I put myself on these self-imposed deadlines and I'm just like, why, why am I putting this pressure there that doesn't necessarily need to be there? Yeah. So if I can go and walk around and let my mind just wander, not to try to make a story happen, to try to think about a character, but just let my mind just wander a little bit. It really is helpful for me to just, um, I try to keep the schedule. So like you said, the 6 a.m. and there's no words coming. There's definitely been those mornings. I try to keep the schedule I try to write something, but if those, it's not happening, I try to do something. Um, maybe for me, sometimes I watercolor, like I paint. Oh yeah. Like a little small project. And it's just something for me to express creatively without the pressure. Yeah. Um, Cause when I was first writing, writing was for fun. Right. <laughs> and now writing is fun and I love writing, but there are deadlines and there are things that come up and it's like, okay, that's not as, re it is relaxing sometimes, but it's not just a pure for fun thing. So I'll try to find something, a different creative outlet that has completely for fun. And I've had people say, oh, you should sell your little paintings that you make. And I'm like, absolutely not. Yeah, too much because pressure. Yeah, because this is, it doesn't matter how this turns out or if anybody looks at it, it's just to kind of relax my mind a little bit and tap into the creativity a little bit. Yeah. I am um, too, thankfully, I know this about myself. I am too invested in trying to make sure that I can get everything done that I want to get done. So um, I've got a 1000 piece puzzle that it's been on the card table for about four months. My husband's birthday, as we talk, is a week from today. So uh, I think it's tomorrow on the day that, that the interview comes out. And, um, and one of the things he asked for for his birthday is for me to finish the Darn puzzle. I, I just remembered my show is PG. I don't always speak. Finish the darn puzzle. That's one of his birthday gifts. And I was like, yeah, I'm totally over that puzzle right now anyway. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I just ran a half marathon two weeks ago and uh, in, the, in the fields behind my house, because of course the actual one was canceled. <laughs> um, I was talking to a friend when I was doing that. All of the um, um, workouts before then I was listening to podcasts or audiobooks. you know I do this at this time and this at this time and I have my writing in the time in the morning and then I have my book coaching clients in the afternoon and I have these things in the evening and then I try to have time with my husband on Monday evenings and Friday evenings like everything is totally planned out 
And last week, the most amazing thing happened. Um, I was lying in bed. Oh, my husband had fallen asleep and I didn't want to wake him up because he, he just doesn't sleep enough. And, um, and we were right next to each other. So I couldn't really move. I couldn't reach for my phone or my Kindle because I knew it would wake him up. So I was just let, laying there, like you said, letting my mind wander. And I wasn't inputting information. I didn't have this timeline about, okay, you need to be done with chapter three by the end of the week. And I was just kind of, I haven't been daydreaming. I just didn't realize that I hadn't yeah. been daydreaming in like six or 12 months. And it was awesome. And I felt yeah. so creative afterwards. And I was like, man, if only he would wake up and I could go write some of the stuff down. <laughs> So yeah, like going for a walk without the podcast and the yeah. audio book and the... So we have like, especially in the world we live in, there's always, it feels like it's constant input. Yeah. And yeah, it's nice to just, I think it's an important writer activity is to day, do some daydreaming. Yes. It, that's work. So if I'm staring out the window, my just, then my husband Justin's like, hey, you should come. No, I'm working right now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and intense I work. I, I totally agree with you. The name of the imprint for my self-published books is Daydreamer Entertainment. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay. So you know what, Amanda? You have helped me to realize that I need to actually, now listen to me say it this way, schedule in more time for daydreaming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honestly, though, I think, um, you know, if you're a writer with a schedule, scheduling in time for daydreaming is probably a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh. This is so fun talking to you. I love talking to writers. <laughs> it's so fun to get to hang out and talk to other writers and things like that because I'm so missing the conferences and the things that I would normally do right? this fall season yeah. where I take a break from regular life and go <laughs> and hang around people who understand my weirdness. Right. My <laughs> like, people. I can't talk to just anybody about the my conversations I have with these characters. <laughs> well, and I'm just thinking about you in particular, you know, all the people that you also um, were in grad school with, like, you really don't want to say to them, well, the voices in my head said. <laughs> right, exactly. I interviewed them today and I discovered that their real problem was this. <laughs> yeah. They'll be like, um, Amanda, do you need to actually have some counseling? <laughs> <laughs> help you with that problem. <laughs> and you're like, no, no, I can this help awesome. you. <laughs> This is awesome. <laughs> it's a real breakthrough we had today. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Seriously, I, I'm always looking for something that, um, that I might try, you know, the next time I sit down or the next book or whatever. And I love this idea of pretending I'm the counselor to some of my characters and trying to figure out, oh, what don't they want to say? But yeah. that is all around them and everything that they do and everything else that they're not saying. Yeah. And then seeing what other people would see because, you know, the, the way that Harvey is inside of his head is different than necessarily people would see Harvey. You know, they would see yeah. him as odd and abrupt and awkward, whereas that's the outward. But then you get to all, you get, it's fun writing the outward behavior and then like the inward, what's really going on. So yeah. That. Yeah. Cause he's got such an incredibly soft, tender heart. You can't believe anybody's gone through his life and still has that soft of a heart. Yeah, he, oh. he's definitely been my, he was definitely very fun to write. Okay, Amanda, so I don't know if you already, you probably already have a newsletter. I don't know if you have a reader magnet for your newsletter. 
Um, not currently. I've okay. got some ideas that I've been that I've been brewing in my mind that maybe I've come got in someday it. soon. I hope <laughs> <laughs> if I get if I get it down on paper. Okay. Well, let me just like throw another idea in because this is my idea. If you're a reader magnet, <laughs> write another story about Harvey. <laughs> I've had some. I've had some thoughts. There's some like backstory stories right? that aren't in the book. So yeah. All right. Yes, definitely. Or give me the deleted scenes about Harvey. I want to read more. <laughs> I like him so much. <laughs> oh, seriously. Okay. Great book. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and also just helping people to have, you know, other things to think about, other ways of looking at the writing, um, looking at, okay, definitely having white space in our life and time to daydream and that sort of thing. Um, where can people find this book of yours and you and, and everywhere that you are? Um, you can find me at amandacoxwrites.com. And then if you want to hang out with me on social media, you can search Amanda Cox Writes. And those, that's my, um, my little handle on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And so Facebook and Instagram are my favorite places to hang out. So if you want to connect with me there, that would be awesome. Awesome. And, um, just to make sure that I don't accidentally give the title of a Tom Cruise movie. Tell us again, the name <laughs> of the book is? The Edge of Belonging. Wonderful. And then if you like dual timeline uh, books, you'll have another dual timeline book coming out next fall. Is that right? Yes, next fall. Awesome. I'm excited. All right. I'm well, excited you, you and I are going to have to stay in touch. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. It was super fun talking with you and, and your cat even got tired of being mad of you. So. I know. He finally gave up that I was not going to do whatever it was he wanted me to do. That's right. <laughs> uh, thanks again. Seriously. It was great having you on the show. Yes, it was so great. It was so great to be on the show. And so I just want to remind everybody, um, as you're working on your writing this weekend, um, take some or this week whenever you're writing to take some time and daydream and look out the windows for a little while and not put pressure on yourself on your creativity. Mm -hmm.